You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. As expected, affordability is the focus of today's budget and there were no big surprises. Staying the course, the focus of budget 2019. Here are the key takeaways. A surplus of $274 million. Debt is set to climb by $14.5 billion over three years. And we'll see the largest ever annual increase, $1.1 billion, to health care spending. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria Forest with more on what's in today's budget. Richard? Chris, best to describe the budget as a stand-pat budget, continuing on many of the big themes the NDP has been focusing on since they came into government in 2017, but there could be some tricky economic times ahead. It's rare to see this sort of emotion from a finance minister. Carol James choking up when catching a glimpse of her family and mentioning her childhood home. I knew I'd have trouble getting through this. Families clearly on James's mind for this budget. Here's what the budget means for you and your family. There's a new early childhood benefit replacing the early childhood tax benefit. Families with two kids under the age of 18 making less than $114,000 a year will receive the benefit. It could mean $1,300 a year for a couple that makes $80,000. The catch is it won't come until October 2020 and not everyone benefits. Great to increase it from age 6 up to age 18. Uh, very targeted for the depth of poverty but we're not seeing anything for single individuals. Child care, also a huge commitment from the province. Plans now to spend $1.3 billion over the next three years. Over the next year, you'll see the minister and the ministry um, doing the evaluation of the prototypes on $10 a day, looking at how we expand those, looking at how we provide uh, further support. British Columbia still has the country's strongest economy, but there are global economic pressures on the way. I think the government is in this budget is coasting a little bit on what has been a fairly strong economy for the past few years. Uh, they inherited that and it's, it's continued, but we do see a material slowdown coming. The BC Liberals are warning the budget has lots of big spending in it and no clear path on how to grow the economy. So get ready for bigger carbon taxes, bigger tax burdens for everybody, and really nothing to stimulate the economy and help people get ahead. The Clean BC plan is funded to the tune of $900 million. This includes funding for retrofits to make your home more energy efficient, including up to $2,000 for electrical heat pumps and $1,000 to upgrade windows and doors. Those uh, incentives need to be tweaked and adjusted to help make sure that we make our goals. The, the money's there for that and the government's committed to do that. There's also really good news in here, Chris and Sophie, for students. As of today, provincial student loans are now interest-free. Absolutely thrilling to a lot of people who have loans. Thanks very much, mm -hmm. Richard. Now Keith Baldry joins us uh, and drilling down a little bit deeper into health care, housing, and education. Keith, what's new in there? Uh, back to student loans for a moment. I like it because I'm paying two of them off with my daughter, so that's of good course. news for me. Uh, yeah, so budgets are got lots of numbers, and of course, Richard showed you some of them. I want to take a look at uh, a few more. One of the numbers off the top you showed, that record increase to the health care budget, biggest one by far from year to year, and it's especially focused on some target areas, BC Children's and Women's Hospital, the BC Cancer Agency, and Pharmacare. That's, uh, that's a special area of emphasis. Another one that uh, doesn't get a lot of attention, housing starts. The BC NDP actually 
now acknowledges there's going to be 28% reduction in housing starts. That's terrible news for trying to wrestle the housing affordability to the ground. Uh, so that's, that's bad news there. Education, though, good news. $260 million is the increase there. Uh, and that includes a $10 million hike for independent schools, which is a source of uh, frustration for the BC Teachers Federation. But nevertheless, that's a big uh, rise there. And I thought I'd throw this one out to everybody. Casino gaming revenues, despite all the talk about money laundering and all that sort of stuff, actually expected to increase by $32 million over three years as casinos become even more popular in the years ahead. A guy around here whose voice counts a lot on budgets, because budgets are a confidence vote, is Andrew Weaver of the Green Party. If he doesn't support the budget, the NDP's in trouble. Here's his take. We're pleased with the overall direction of the budget. We're pleased to see the funding for Clean BC come forward, the focus on people, some of the initiatives that we pushed hard for in our uh, submission to the budget. So there you have it. Andrew Weaver and the Greens provide those crucial votes to make sure that budget passes the House and passes that confidence vote. Stand pat budget, but it's going to be passed into law. No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. And still to come on the News Hour, we'll tell you how the NDP plans to turn around the so-called financial dumpster fire that is ICBC, projecting big savings in the not-too-distant future. How they say they'll get there later. Now, after a brief break, the snow is back. Warnings in place today for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Our Grace Key is in Surrey tonight where we're hearing it's really been coming down this afternoon. Grace? Well, it is finally let up here, just, just ever so slightly uh, raining, but earlier this afternoon, it was really coming down hard. This is what drivers along Highway 1 near Hope were facing. Falling snow and poor visibility made for some white-knuckle driving conditions. It was a slick and dangerous commute in some spots. The driver of this truck somehow lost control and ended up in the ditch. It's been a busy last few weeks for tow truck drivers, and it looks like it's about to pick up. Most of them are crashed up pretty good. Yeah. The car is good again. Driving too fast for the road conditions. Yeah. It's a tough message to get across, huh? Yeah, they don't listen. Nobody listens. The area has gotten hit with another wallop of snow. Some cars making the treacherous drive along the Coquihalla Highway ended up in the ditch as plows worked to keep up with conditions. In North Vancouver, trucks were along the major routes preparing for the snowfall, and it was coming down hard at the top of Burnaby Mountain. TransLink also reported some of their buses in Burnaby, New Westminster and Surrey were experiencing delays due to road conditions. It's quite slippery. I was towing a trailer, so, but I made it. <laughs> Just dry careful. I'm kind of done with the snow. It can go back to the mountain. If you don't have to really be in it for me, I'm uh, comfortable more in home. But she likes it. She likes I to be like outside. Because she likes, she's hoping for another snow day, no school. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will uh, keep an eye if there is another snow day for the kids out there. But if you are heading home tonight again, you want to take it easy on the roads. And especially if you are going on uh, the buses to head home, you want to double check to make sure your bus isn't too delayed or possibly detoured. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Grace Key. In Surrey, well, timing is everything. And meteorologist Christy Gordon is here with a look at what's next. Christy? 
Thanks, Soph. Yes, ever-changing. It was wet snow earlier, no accumulations. And then about 3 o'clock, temperatures started to drop and the flakes started to get bigger and they started to accumulate. This is the current situation. Conditions have key eased off across much of Metro Vancouver. We're still seeing snowfall basically Langley east through the Fraser Valley. And we've had an update to the snowfall warning. It's now including the East Fraser Valley. So these areas, 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. But the majority of this is expected by the early morning hours tomorrow. We've got another wave that will push in late this evening and likely end by the early morning hours. Now, Metro Vancouver, western sections, you're not in the clear. You still could see a couple centimeters, but I don't think this will be a snow day likely for most areas. All right, Christy, thank you. An agonizing wait for the mother of a Surrey man swept away by an avalanche near Mount Seymour. The 39-year-old caught up in the slide yesterday morning while out snowshoeing with a friend. Rescue crews managed to reach the friend, but today they were unable to resume their search due to weather conditions. Catherine Urquhart reports. I, th- I think I'm dying. It's an excruciating time for Lydia Majerski, who was refusing to give up. It's very resourceful. That's why I, I still believe in my heart, and I'm sure that he's still alive. The Surrey mother's 39-year-old son, Remy Mikulovsky, hasn't been seen since Monday morning when he and a friend were swept away by an avalanche in the backcountry behind Mount Seymour. I'm planning to go there. I will find my way. I'm planning to go there and I'm going to dig him with my, with my bare hands. Remy Mikulovsky and his friend were snowshoeing when the slide came down between Runner Peak and Mount Else. The friend managed to grab onto a tree and was airlifted to safety by North Shore Rescue. Don't want to say too much just because they're still searching for my buddy. That Everybody here killed it and they kept in correspondence with me and they made this part as easy as it can be, but um, they're still looking for him. Tuesday's poor weather conditions forced rescue crews to abandon their efforts until there is improvement. We're always hopeful, but at this point, um, you know, based on what we've seen, um, of the accident scene, it, it, it does not look uh, like it's going to be a positive end to this. Remy Mikulovsky is known as an experienced and responsible hiker. His mother remains hopeful he'll be found alive. And he's doing something there with the branches because I, I think he's stuck in the branches with the, under the snow. And then he can take those branches and he can dig himself. The distraught mom now left waiting, waiting for word the search can resume for her missing son. Please save my son. Help, help him. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. There will be no appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada in the John Nuttall and Amanda Carodi case, the couple accused in the 2013 Victoria legislature bomb plot. Last December, the B.C. Court of Appeal unanimously dismissed the Crown's appeal of the 2016 decision to overturn the guilty verdicts of John Nuttall and Amanda Carodi. One justice calling the overall conduct of the investigation a travesty of justice. Today's decision by federal prosecutors not to appeal means the case is now officially over. First, though, part two of a Global News exclusive on a controversial case involving a police dog essentially on trial in connection with a B.C. drug bust that police say uncovered thousands of fentanyl pills. Tonight, a compelling candid admission from the man who was arrested. Here's Romina Dea. I did find a substantial amount of fentanyl pills, okay, in your van. That's your van, right? Yes. 
The truth is you got me with that, you know, uh, I agree. 59-year-old Sandor Rigo, blunt and upfront, with RCMP Corporal Catelier after the Mountie uncovers 27,500 fentanyl pills in Rigo's van in 2017, according to court evidence. You're not like, you're not the leader of no. some gang or no. something. This is just no. a mistake you made. Oh, there's no mistake. Yeah. Not a mistake? I do it for money. You do it for money? In his police statement, Rigo, a plumber by trade, tells the officer he receives a text. He leaves Calgary, which is home, and immediately drives to Vancouver, where he meets his contact in a parking lot to pick up the berries, code for fentanyl. Rigo, careful. He tells the Mountie he doesn't know any names, but he says he's dealing with youngsters, Asians. He goes on to tell the officer he doesn't get paid until the drop is made in Calgary. I know you talk about this mule. So you, how much would you get paid, like just for the, something like that? Not enough. Like roughly. Not enough. Okay, I could tell you this. I, I got ten cents per pill. Ten cents per pill. How many pills are in there? Supposed to be there. Twenty. Twenty thousand. Yeah. Rigo is charged with possession for the purpose of trafficking, but the case is thrown out. Rigo acquitted in a pre-trial decision from October 2018. A B.C. Supreme Court judge deems the arrest, search and seizure illegal because the experienced police dog only gives a partial sit, not a clear signal indicating drugs in the van. girl. And I think it shocked a lot of Canadians. Derek Ogden, former RCMP chief superintendent and head of drug enforcement nationwide, believes the Mountie did everything right. The police officer was proactive. That's exactly what the public wants to see in the police that are trying to protect the public. So uh, that, I think, is, is why it was so frustrating to see the, the results of this case. The judge's decision to throw the fentanyl pills out of evidence has also outraged victims' families. 20-year-old Brandon Jansen is one of more than 9,000 Canadians who have died from illicit drug overdoses since 2016. Fentanyl, the primary culprit, killing more people than suicides, murders and traffic accidents combined in B.C. last year. I don't truly feel that the judge understands and appreciates how many thousands of people could have lost their lives uh, when that 27,000 fentanyl pills would have hit the street. The judge says he recognizes the evils associated with fentanyl trafficking, but he ruled the officer's arrest was seriously flawed. So Rigo is free, but not before he congratulates the Mountie who arrested him. You guys are doing a good job. Unfortunately, uh, you're not doing enough to do. If you want to stop something, but you, 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 you guys can't reach. I know. Can't reach your uh, potential, 100%. Yeah. Well, we, we do our best. That's a, I know for a fact. Yeah. You, to do that, you have to arrest portion of the city. <laughs> Which is like Vancouver? Correct. Ramina Dea, Global News. Well, we've posted the extended version of that police interrogation, as well as the full ruling from the judge in the case, on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. Returning now to our top story, the NDP government's new budget for the coming year and its promise to fix ICBC. The New Democrats say the changes they're making to the embattled Crown Corporation will actually make it profitable by the year 2021. As Tanya Beja reports, at least one critic says those changes will hit drivers hard. After facing a financial crunch, a loss of more than a billion dollars, ICBC may soon be turning the corner. 
We are in the, on the cusp of implementing the biggest changes we've made to auto insurance in about 43 years. The B.C. budget suggesting those changes will be enough to get the Crown Corporation back in the black, forecasting revenues of $86 million by 2021. These numbers are highly questionable. They constantly say this is a fiscal risk, that it's very frustrating, that they're really worried about it. And then all of a sudden to just project they're going to be back in the black in a couple of years' time, we don't know how they're planning on managing that. Come April 1st, pain and suffering claims on minor injury cases will be capped at $5,500. The Attorney General also announcing plans to limit lawyers' use of medical experts and reports. Changes ICBC says could save $1.2 billion. We're going through a process right now at the Utilities Commission where they're going to check our math. Uh, they're going to verify that the estimates for the savings we have are, are valid. Uh, and that the, our rates should be based on that. Uh, we're confident, but as you know, if you take a look at contingencies, if you take a look at our, our forecast, we've ensured that there is more money next year just in case. But critics say regardless of the changes, drivers will be footing the bill to get ICBC back on track. ICBC plans to raise rates by up to 30% over the next three years. They're going to be bringing in more revenue and rate increases than in all the savings they're getting from all the product changes, changes we have seen to date. At the end of the day, will it be enough to extinguish the so-called dumpster fire? To have the corporation and to have the government find sunny ways somewhere in the future, we hope they're right, but we just don't know how they are. Tanya Beja, Global News. Well, with demand for its services increasing every year, one Metro Vancouver food bank is facing yet another problem tonight. The Langley Food Bank is losing its home. And as Nadia Stewart reports, it's finding itself on the wrong side of the real estate market. Well, it's very desperate. We're uh, down to two months and a bit and counting. The source's Langley Food Bank is feeling the pressure with just weeks to go until they have to be out of their current home. We have yet to find something. The vacancy rate for the kinds of properties we need in the city of Langley is quite low. It's also low in the township. Source's CEO David Young says lately his team has been having a lot of sleepless nights. Frankly, people will go hungry if we're not here. It is people like you and I. They are people who are seniors. Food Bank's BC Executive Director Laura Lansink is hopeful a space can be found, overcoming the stigma sometimes attached with having a food bank as a neighbour. I think that perhaps sometimes the city or a landlord might think it could attract an undesirable demographic, which is simply not the case. Since the last quarter, Sources has seen over 1,100 new registrants. 400 of them are children, underscoring the need, says Food Banks Canada. I think it's incredibly sad. They have so much to uh, deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that that just adds um, additional concerns at their end. After looking for a new home for eight years, the Surrey Food Bank recently decided to partner with a local church. Pisa Jaffer says purpose-built facilities might soon be the only answer. We're not just food banks anymore. We have so many, our clients have so many challenges, so many issues that they have to deal with. So we have to partner with other organizations like settlement organizations, skill development, health, uh, Fraser Health. We as the food bank need to support that and hopefully facilitate those opportunities for them to connect. Sources hopeful they'll remain connected to this community and find a home where they can serve and grow. Nadia Stork, Global News. For the first time since she resigned from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet as the SNC-Lavalin scandal was unfolding, BC MP Jody Wilson-Raybould spoke to reporters on Parliament Hill today. She met with her former cabinet colleagues 
but citing confidentiality, wouldn't talk about what was said. Wilson-Raybould also wouldn't comment on whether she was pressured in the SNC-Lavalin case. My lawyer. Were you, were you pressured by the Prime Minister's office? Were you, were you pressured by the Prime Minister's office? Still um, working with my lawyer. Why did you resign? To get a decision. Do you, do you plan to stay in caucus, Ms. Wilson-Raybould? I am a Liberal member of Parliament. Thank you. Are you going to run as a Liberal next election? Were you a lot more to come in that story. Mm-hmm. The city of Halifax is in shock tonight, struggling to deal with an unimaginable tragedy. An early morning fire in the suburban home of a Syrian refugee family claimed the lives of seven children, all of them from the same family. The children that lived there, they were like really good friends with my kids and they were just over at our house yesterday. Danielle Burt says she woke up to a bang around 12.30 a.m. and saw flames shooting out her neighbor's house. She quickly left her own home with her husband and four children and called 911. It happened all so fast and the house went up really quickly. Other neighbors rushed out to help, but there was little they could do. It's so frightening, but within the space of 30 seconds, it went just from a what looked like a little bit of flame to the, to the whole thing just becoming engulfed. Witnesses say they saw the parents outside the home, but could only watch as they realized the children never made it out. Like I said, something out of a horror movie that you just never wish on anybody. While the community is anxious for answers, there's no timeline for when the investigation might be complete. Our investigators are specially trained to look at a scene and first eliminate possible sources of that fire. They strive to locate the origin where the fire may have started. Concerns are also being raised about how quickly the fire spread, and officials say it will all be part of the investigation. New homes are built with lightweight construction, and once fire barriers are penetrated, rapid fire spread is possible in newer construction. For now, those involved in the emergency response are being offered support as they cope with the tragedy. Alicia Drouse, Global News, Spryfield, Nova Scotia. In the U.S., another day, another bombshell dropped onto the Donald Trump administration. A New York Times report claims Trump asked if a U.S. attorney he appointed could be put in charge of an investigation tied to himself. President Trump tonight is denying the explosive New York Times report that says late last year he tried to put his own appointee in charge of the investigation into those hush money payments during the 2016 campaign. I don't know who gave you that. That's more fake news. A lot of, there's, a lot of fake, there's a lot of fake news out there. No, I didn't. The Times reports the president called Matthew Whitaker, then his hand-picked acting attorney general, to ask whether U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman could be put in charge of the widening investigation into his former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, according to several unnamed American officials. Berman had already been recused from the case. Just this month, Whitaker said this to Congress about presidential interference. At no time has the White House asked for nor have I provided any promises or commitments concerning the special counsel's investigation or any other investigation. It follows new revelations from fired acting FBI Director Andrew McCabe, who now says he briefed lawmakers after the FBI opened an investigation into President Trump in 2017. McCabe telling Savannah Guthrie that no one pushed back. Did you tell Congress? And I told Congress what we had done. Did anyone object? That's the important part here, Savannah. 
No one objected, not on legal grounds, not on constitutional grounds, and not based on the facts. That answer, an apparent rebuttal to Republican criticism that top Justice Department and FBI officials were plotting an administrative coup. Did you suspect the president might actually be working for Russia? We thought that might be possible, yes. The president overnight on Twitter accusing McCabe of treason. I don't think really anybody takes those uh, tweets by the president very seriously. I certainly don't at this point. McCabe was fired from the FBI last Last year, accused of lying under oath about his interactions with the media. The fashion world is mourning the loss of one of its iconic figures. German designer Karl Lagerfeld has died at the age of 85. He was the creative director for Chanel for 36 years, but also designed collections for his own brand. His signature ponytail and dark glasses made him an instantly recognizable figure around the world. He had been unwell for several weeks and had missed a number of shows. In health matters tonight, Vancouver Coastal Health says as many as 500 children may have been exposed to measles at BC Children's Hospital. However, most of them had been vaccinated. VCH had previously announced that anyone who visited the Children's Hospital ER on January 21st, 23rd, 24th and February 4th may have been exposed to a person infected with measles. But it says no new cases of measles have surfaced since Friday, leaving the total number at nine. Most of those cases center on one family whose children attend francophone schools, Ecole Jules Verne and Ecole Anne Hébert, and who weren't vaccinated. 33 students and one staff member are being kept home from the two schools due to either not being vaccinated or not having documentation of vaccination. VCH once again urging all parents to vaccinate their children. If I could not in good conscience say that the best thing for their child was to be immunized, I would have a hard time making this recommendation. But I know that the safest thing for their child on an individual level is to be immunized. And Dr. Hayden also says she supports the idea of mandatory reporting of whether or not children have been vaccinated when they're enrolled in school. A new study from Harvard says eating nuts could lower the risk of heart disease in people with type 2 diabetes. Researchers asked more than 16,000 people about their consumption of nuts over several years. Those who ate five servings of nuts per week had a lower risk of developing heart disease compared to those who ate less than an ounce per month. Tree nuts like almonds, walnuts, cashews and pecans appeared to be more beneficial than peanuts. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A Nevada teenager looks out her window to see a hawk trying to fly away with her dog. What she did to save it, coming up right after the forecast. Yikes. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon. We're getting all sorts of weather report, reports from across Metro Vancouver. Apparently it's raining in yeah. Langley now, so that's good. It's been back and forth in some areas, yes, that's for sure. Uh, so anywhere east of Surrey is where we have that snowfall warning still in effect, 5 to 10 centimeters, 0 to 4 for Metro Vancouver West, so not under a snowfall warning. But yes, Metro Vancouver has certainly seen conditions ease off. However, Surrey's already seen a good 5 centimeters of snow, and we have potentially another small wave that will push across the region. This is the current situation dry across much of Metro Vancouver, although we just got 
one report of it raining in the Langley area. So we're starting to see a transition in some of these areas, but I still expect if you're traveling east on Highway 1, that's where you're going to have a tough scenario over the next couple of hours before the next wave pushes in around 10 or 11 o'clock. Majority of this snowfall that you see here is the addition and what we will see overnight tonight, but I think the bulk of this will end by about 2 a.m. So we're talking about one centimeter for Metro Vancouver, but anywhere from Surrey out through Chilliwack, we're talking about potentially another five centimeters. So you can see that we've had one wave. We could see another wave of similar amounts, but generally it should push out overnight. A chance of flurries in a few areas early tomorrow morning, but otherwise expect sunshine tomorrow afternoon. And temperature's not bad considering we're still under this Arctic air right across the province. We are going to see a brief warm-up for two days, but not much of one, as you can see here. Still in that blue cold air mass and with another wave of coal set to push in. I don't see a change in this Arctic air until potentially the beginning of March, everyone. So that means that we will have been in this Arctic air mass for almost the entire month of February. So we'll watch to see if that is the case. This is your tomorrow. Still a chance of flurries in the morning, but again, all of it pushing to the south and a clearing trend on the way. So sunshine by the afternoon, and that includes us here across the south coast. So a nice six degrees in that sunshine tomorrow afternoon. Kids will be able to get out there and play in the snow. Thursday also looking nice, but then we've got another sort of mix of rain and snow potentially on Friday, very similar to what we saw today. And I'm going to leave you with a really neat shot. This from Agassi. Trish sent us this. Sunday versus today. Oh. Where'd the mountain go? Yeah. Disappeared. All right, wow. thanks very much, Christy. When 15-year-old Las Vegas resident Cecilia Silas heard a commotion outside her window, she was horrified to see what it was. A hawk had her Yorkie puppy Lulu in its talons and was trying to fly off with it. She rushed outside, understandably screaming, but when that failed to scare off the bird, she began beating it with a chair cushion until it finally let go and flew away. A close-up of the bird shows torn straps around its legs, leading the family to believe it's also someone's pet. Thankfully, Lulu has only a small puncture in her neck and she'll be okay. Lulu. Lulu. I hope they're... I hope the hawk flies home and they feed the thing so it's not going <laughs> exactly. after the dogs. Dogs <laughs> yeah. All right. I uh, think that was nine years ago now. It was, the wasn't Olympics. it? It's happening oh, nine nine years almost ago. a decade. That's and ridiculous. since they announced it for us. That's true. Yeah. Wow. We're getting years. old. I remember being down in Dallas when that happened, thinking, hmm, maybe we will move back. <laughs> <laughs> Incentive. Yeah. yeah. Someone hit fast forward after 2010. I'd like to know who it was. Uh, the Canucks didn't practice today, but they did call up defenseman Ashton Sautner from uh, Utica. He'll replace Guillaume Brisbois, who was sent back. Uh, Sautner played five games for the Canucks last year. It wasn't all that bad. Uh, Vancouver also signed minor league goalie Michael Layton to a deal and then put him on waivers to open up a roster spot for Sautner Thursday, Canucks in Arizona. Well, there's the guy who injured two Canucks last week, Ryan Getzlaff, who took out, well, Jake for Tannen and Chris Tanev. And that's a goal. Yes, eventually that's a goal by Jacob Silverberg. Two teams fighting for one of those wild card spots, Minnesota and Anaheim. That's in. It's a good goal. 1-0 in the second period for the Ducks. What about the half? There's Carey Price. Good BC boy. 
Columbus, Montreal. Price with the enormous save. Now puck goes the other way. Max Domi down the left side. Puck comes back to him. He tried to pass it. It's in. Take another look. That's a good pickup by Montreal from Arizona. Max Domi played well there. That made it one nothing. Then Jesperi Kotkaniemi misses the net. Paul Byram there to clean up. 2-1 early in the third for Montreal over Columbus. All right. The BC Lions signed receiver Shaq Johnson to a new one-year contract. Started 16 games last year. 28 receptions, 336 yards, 3 TDs. Through three seasons, he has 36 regular season games, 58 catches, 857 yards, and 5 touchdowns. BC High School Wrestling Championship wrapped up today in uh, Langley at the event center. In recent years, there's one family who always seems to have more than a few athletes wrestling for provincial gold. They're to amateur wrestling in British Columbia what the Sutter family has been to the National Hockey League. Michaela inside control. Yep. That's it. Use it. Michaela Trolland is well on her way following in the footsteps of her older sister, Ashley. Michaela grappling towards a BC High School Provincial Championship in the girls' 60 kilo division. But here's the thing. Circle! She's not alone. Yes! Way to use that! You are the first sibling to be on the mat. Go through the whole family tree for me. There's me, who I wrestled through middle school, high school, and university. My sister Jade, who's in grade 12 this year. Uh, she's in the finals. Charisma, she's in grade 11. She's wrestling. Michaela, who's in grade 9, she's also in the finals. And then my brother, Talon, who's in grade 8, and it's his first provincials. And he's going for third. Okay, so I lost count. There's four of them on the mat wrestling right now? Four on the mat wrestling right now, and then there's two that are up and coming. Up, up. That's a head-shaking and mat-filling seven siblings who'll be leaving their mark on the high school wrestling scene. And yes, these kids know their way around the wrestling mat. Tough. Uh, out of the valley, out of Abbotsford, all the sisters, they're just tough. Year after year, there seems to be a new one every year that comes to the BC Championships and makes a, uh, makes a claim to greatness, and it's happening year after year. When it comes to chasing greatness, having a father who wrestled certainly helps. So does playing multiple sports like lacrosse and ball. But the real secret to this family's success? When we were younger, my dad put a wrestling mat in the recreational room in our house. So we'd all just basically, yeah, it was just a messing around down in the recreation. I don't go down there because I don't want to get mad at them. <laughs> they thought it was a rec room so they could wreck it. There have been three provincial championships so far, but potentially two more. So that'll be hopefully five by provincial championships. And likely more ahead in the years to come. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Actually, they kind of remind me of the Hart family. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Scotty's Alberta still unbeaten. They beat Ontario 6-3. Chelsea Carey's rink is now 6-0. A whole bunch of rinks at 4-2, including Abbotsford's Sarah Wark. She had defeated Quebec in her latest game. 7-6. to six. Okay, we talked about this earlier. So this is what happened live, and it looks rather innocuous. But when you see the close-up, you can see Pierre Maguire of NBC in the bench, and look how close this puck comes to his face. His reaction's even late. Like, he reacts, but way too late. If this thing was about, I don't know, three inches the other way, 
Pierre would be sporting some pretty serious stitches about now. But he's okay. That's okay. It happens. You okay? You yeah. Okay. You. Are the lights too bright? <laughs> it's only the 50th Are you time to I've us? said that today. <laughs> yeah. I'm just teasing. I'm not sick. Wow. Not he, uh, he was lucky. He was lucky. So the Arkansas Nine, not a baseball team, and a very important part in civil rights history mm -hmm. in the United States. And there's a connection here to BC. Yes, yes. Uh, one of the Little Rock Nine uh, became a Canadian citizen, moved up here in the 60s. Husband wanted to get away from the Vietnam War, raised her children in Ontario, eventually found her way to the Lower Mainland and was kind enough to talk to us about one of the seminal moments in civil rights history. By an accident of fate, I was involved in one of the most dramatic United States events. The event was the desegregation of Little Rock Central High School, an all-white school until 1957, when Minnie Jean and eight other African-American students enrolled. But on the first day of school, they were met by an angry mob, and the Arkansas governor blocked their entrance with the National Guard. It instantly became a seminal moment in the civil rights movement. On that first day when I see those pictures, we just look bewildered because we grew up in a Jim Crow segregated society. But I hadn't been hated personally. So my expression is they threw away their dignity and it landed on us. Outrage from around America at what was happening forced President Eisenhower to send in the U.S. Army to get the Little Rock Nine back in the Central High School. It was the ultimate sign of bravery and defiance for the Nine in the face of abject racism. I'm sure our parents were so scared. They're the real heroes. But by that time, you're not, I'm not, you're not scaring me away. The experience put Minnie Jean on the path of activism that has lasted for 62 years, believing wholeheartedly in the civil rights movement's creed of resistance through nonviolence. Part of the reason for the, maybe the success of the civil rights movement was nonviolence. And even though people got beaten and killed and... They didn't kill everybody. She loves to share her story with children worldwide to make them understand that hate is inherently weak. And despite what happened to her, hate was not going to take over her life. You yourself did not come out of that with hatred the opposite way. Waste of time. I had too much to do with my life. I'm telling you, I had six kids. I'm, there was no time. But it's kind of the bully thing. That's their problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. And if I wasted time hating them, then I wouldn't be able to do the stuff I do. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to bring, help people bring peace into their lives, children, anybody else, right? She still speaks around the world, and they teach about the Little Rock Nine in places like South Africa and New mm -hmm. Zealand, and she's gone down there and spoken to people, and, you know, will continue to be an activist for as long as she can. Does she speak around here? 
Um, if she doesn't, she should. I mean, besides the news. She happening. should, but she spoke to us. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. Go. I haven't heard if she's yeah. done that around here, but she has gone many times to the U.S. and mm -hmm. in other parts of the world to speak. Yeah, mm -hmm. spreading That's great. A great message. Thank you, Minnie Jean. Mm -hmm. Okay, final word on the weather before we go. Sure, still another light wave of snow expected later this evening. The worst is over. Another maybe two to four centimeters expected. All right. Be careful out there, everyone. Have a good night.